Are we recording? Yes, we are. Fantastic. Let's go. Hi, everyone. I'm Louisa. I'm a neurodivergent academic at the University of Reading, and I'm your podcast host for season three of Psychological. Psychological is a podcast that started during lockdown, and it aims to make an evidence-based contribution to conversations about child and adolescent well-being, development and learning, and neurodiversity. Today's Psychological is a little bit of a different episode to the usual format, because along with my guest, we are flipping the script. So she will be interviewing me. And the aim is for me to drop something a little bit different into each season that I host. So keep an eye out for those in the future, too. So today I'm talking to Jasmine Viria, who will be interviewing me about one of my PhD papers. Jasmine is a postdoc, the inclusion initiative at LSE, and the work she is doing there leverages behavioural science insights to create inclusive workspace cultures and practices. So hi, Jasmine, how are you? Hi, I'm good, how are you? I'm good, yeah, all good. Good, thank you for having me. I'm excited to hear about your work. Um, What paper are you going to talk to us about? So today we're chatting about a paper that explored contagion of value preferences in autistic and non-autistic participants. And I'll kind of explain a little bit more about all of that, what all of that means a little bit later on. So first off, we'll start off with what you found. Could you tell me what the main findings are from your research? Yeah. So we were looking at an effect called contagion, which basically means that when you learn about the preferences of someone else, your own preferences become more like those of the other person. So we compared that effect between some autistic and non-autistic participants and didn't find any differences. We also didn't find any differences in how well participants were actually able to kind of learn the preferences of other agents. We also did want to see whether perhaps autistic traits were related to contagion or kind of accuracy, which is how well they were able to learn those preferences in the non-autistic samples. But we didn't find a relationship with traits and either of those things either. That's really interesting. What was it that motivated you to look at this? So we looked at this contagion effect on a task called temporal discounting because previous research had already found a contagion effect in this task. So that's kind of what motivated us to use the task. For anyone that isn't sure on what this task is, a really good example is the marshmallow task. Uh, Some of you have probably heard of that one. So it's where a child is given one marshmallow and then the researcher will leave them in the room with that big juicy marshmallow and tell the child that if they can wait to eat it until they're back, they get another one. So they get double the reward. But having to actually wait for that second marshmallow might make the bigger reward a bit less exciting for some children. So it's kind of been devalued or perhaps discounted with time. And we use this task. So basically the same task, but we ask questions about money. So we didn't give people marshmallows. We asked them whether they would prefer to receive kind of a small amount of money immediately or wait a bit longer to receive a larger one. And different people are willing to wait different lengths of time for different amounts of money. And we can change their preferences through contagion. So if they view the preferences of someone else, their own preferences become more like those of the other person. And then we wanted to explore this effect in autism because we wanted to see if potential differences in kind of representing the preferences of the other people might also produce differences in contagion. And our reasoning for that bit also ties in a bit with the analysis that the analysis method, sorry, that we used. But I'll expand on that a bit more later. Okay, cool. Thanks. That that makes a lot of sense. And thinking back, 
I think I actually did this task, you know, when when you were, I think I was one of your participants. I, I remember. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, for those of you that are listening, Louisa and I actually did our PhDs together. Yes. Um, yeah. So how did you do the study? Well, we had actually had three separate studies in the paper. So in the first one, we tested a sample of non-autistic participants. In the second study, we had a kind of replication sample of non-autistic participants, and that was at a different testing site. And they also had kind of less trials, and we wanted to see if we found the same result. We kind of didn't have them in the testing place for as long, and just if it was a different, slightly different sample from a different place. And then in the third study, we tested a smaller sample of autistic participants, And as part of this study, we compared this group with a subset of study two participants. So we kind of took the participants from that study two group that best matched our autistic participants in kind of age and reported gender and compared across those groups. In that study, we also wanted to determine if contagion was related to autistic traits in the samples from the first two studies. So we did that analysis as part of study three, two. And in all three studies, the participants completed five blocks of trials and they made those temporal discounting choices. So kind of like five pounds now or 10 pounds tomorrow for themselves and for two other agents. One of those agents was kind of more impulsive than they were. So they would be less inclined to wait. And one of them was more patient. So they would be more inclined to wait for a larger amount of money. And the five blocks of trials that they had were self one. So they make choices for themselves. Other one. So that's the first other person, self two, other two and self three. So structuring it like that means that we can see kind of in the self two block if the participants choices have become more like the person that they've just chosen for. So that will be other one. And then in the self three block, we can see if their choices have then become more like the other person that they just chose for, which is other two. Can I quickly ask? So when you talked about... um the different agents were participants primed on or told who which one was supposed to be more impulsive and which one was supposed to be more patient they weren't no so they didn't know that kind of someone would be more impulsive and someone would be more patient they were basically just told that they would be making choices for themselves and on behalf of two previous participants that had done the task They didn't know anything about kind of how their preferences differed. So also kind of importantly, they were told that it was previous participants, but we actually modelled the behaviour. So they weren't real agents. It was kind of based on a model and that model was based on the participants own choices. So we kind of varied the choices of the model based on what the participant actually chose themselves. So um, that's a really cool way of actually giving or, you know, is that class as feedback? No, so they did get feedback kind of in the other blocks. So that it was like a sort of form of trial and error learning, really. So they would make a choice and then they would be told if the other person had would have made that or did make that choice or not. So, yep, they made this choice or no, they didn't. And they would learn from that feedback kind of how the other person would be likely to choose. But, um, yeah, so they weren't real people. But not using real people kind of allows us to actually control how much the behaviour of the other agents kind of varies from the actual participants. We had that degree of experimental control there just in case there were like massive differences in how participants made choices, having kind of fixed other agents or actually real people, which introduced quite a lot of variability in how much room there was actually for them to change. So we kept that consistent by using modelling, which was fun. That's a really cool design. 
Okay, so that was um, the tasks and how you set up the experiment. Do you want to tell me a bit about the analysis? Yeah, so the analysis that we actually used to kind of index contagion or measure contagion was a form of analysis that relies on something called Bayesian belief updating. It's kind of really basically that means that when you update your beliefs or kind of change your preferences in this case, you do so by waiting or kind of giving more importance to information that is maybe more relevant or more reliable. So here we're kind of incorporating both how certain the participant is about their own beliefs. So that certainty is kind of reflected as do they vary a lot when they're making choices for themselves or not? Or are they quite consistent in their choice profile? And also quite like how credible they think the social information is or how reliable they think it is. So when they're making choices for that person, do they kind of stay quite consistent to those, to like the same sort of choice profile? Or do they again vary quite a lot because they can't quite work out what the choices are? So we kind of incorporate that into our measure of contagion and actually being able to update our beliefs or preferences kind of relies on how well we're able to sort of estimate what's going on in the world or kind of how precise our prior knowledge about the world is or the situation that we're in. And that part there is relevant to autism because there is some previous research that has found differences in kind of estimations of priors or between autistic and non-autistic participants. So we wanted to see perhaps how well they're able to kind of estimate about information perhaps would impact upon contagion and it didn't which is great yeah we then so we basically compared between the groups when we had our final analysis I'm going to kind of focus on the study three little bit here now that we know how we index contagion so in study three we compared basically just those contagion values so one for how much they were influenced by the patient other, one for how much they were influenced by the impulsive other. And we didn't find that there were differences in kind of how much each group shifted their behaviour. And we also did something at this point called an equivalence test. So as well as just looking for differences between the groups, we actually did an analysis that kind of gives us an estimation of kind of how equivalent they were or how similar they were. And that showed that the two groups were kind of significantly similar. So they weren't significantly different and they were also kind of similar across those two measures, which is good. Yeah. And that's to clarify, that's autistic and non-autistic individuals. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Those two groups. And then in that one, we also did kind of a regression analysis with the subscales of the autism quotient, which kind of indexes autistic traits and wanted to see if that was related to accuracy. So how accurate they were at learning about other people and also contagion and there were no relationships between it kind of any of the trait measures and those either yeah none of the trait measures and the contagion effect yes so none of the trait measures were related to the strength of the contagion effect I think it's important to note as well that people that don't identify as autistic or haven't been diagnosed still completed the autism quotient or autistic quotient yes everybody did it was that so they were the actual where we kind of looked at the traits was in our sort of non-autistic sample. So um, in the actual paper, we kind of referred to the sample as being neurotypical, but we didn't actually rule out that there weren't any neurodivergent conditions in any of the participants. So we were still looking at kind of traits, like because there may have still been people that scored really highly on the traits and perhaps weren't diagnosed as well. Or, you know, there are there is variation in traits anyway. So we were seeing if it any of that correlated with the traits and also we had a much bigger sample there so if we yeah. could maybe index some variation in traits in a larger sample that might be interesting but yeah there wasn't any association between our our effect and traits in in the 
samples and yeah we collapsed all of our data between study one and study two so in study one we had like I think it was uh, 48 participants and in study two we had 98 so we kind of collapsed across all of those and wanted to see where the traits across all of both like all of those participants were related to contagion but they weren't they were the non-autistic those two groups you just mentioned yeah Yeah. so that's that's quite a big sample and it's yeah it from what you've said before and just papers in general it's harder to recruit for across neurodiverse communities right so well our our autistic sample was quite small so we only ended up after we'd had to sort of exclude people perhaps because they either like something happened with the data that didn't go quite right which happens when you do studies um, yeah <laughs> various reasons that you have to kind of exclude people from data we ended up with 12 participants in our autistic sample which yes it's small but we also looked at traits in that kind of huge sample as well and because we had a really small sample that's kind of why we did those equivalence tests as well it's quite difficult to draw conclusions just looking for differences between quite small groups but doing that kind of test of equivalence helps basically to support the results yeah so um from those results the fact that you didn't find a difference between autistic and non-autistic people do you think that it's a social effect that you found well interestingly so we did initially think that the effect is something that we called social contagion so how much are you influenced by another social agent but um from kind of what I did throughout the rest of my PhD and some questions that we asked participants in this study, it seems like it might actually not be a social effect. It's kind of potentially more of just a learning new information and taking it on kind of effect. Um, so in this study, we also asked participants if they thought that the other person was, the other people were real people or not, like actually were previous participants. Um, quite a lot of people didn't believe that they were previous participants and it made absolutely no difference on how much they were influenced by their preferences some previous studies also kind of there wasn't much difference if it was a computer agent versus a human agent so it doesn't seem like it's a social effect so yeah potentially not social but it's still related to kind of learning about and taking on new information yeah so overall are there any takeaways that you think the audience should I guess the the main one given that it's sort of not potentially a social effect the main one really is that this actually might be a context where autistic people are kind of able to generate beliefs about other people accurately and up or other information generate beliefs about information accurately learn about it and then update their preferences it's um, still nice to find something where there's no group differences like yeah, we are just yeah exactly. good at the task as other people which is great <laughs> good <laughs> Can I ask you one final question? Yeah, yeah. So mainly we talk about um, language use quite a lot mm. and how I wondered now, having read the paper, uh, did you word things in a certain way that you perhaps wouldn't now? And yeah. if you did, what would you Yeah, to be honest, that's a really good point. So I wrote this paper like um, all the way back in 2017. Since then, I've learned a lot about research and language used in research and also I personally have been diagnosed as autistic in that time I've sort of said in one case I've said neurotypical when it probably would have made more sense to just say non-autistic because I hadn't ruled out that they weren't were actually not neurodivergent and also there are kind of parts where I've said that 
or like the language that I've used kind of points to autistic people like not being as good at things and actually I would prefer to say differences between groups now and kind of focus on that when differences actually might be kind of neutral um rather than a deficit for example yeah like I don't yeah. want to use that sort of language anymore but yeah yeah there are some some points maybe where I would have used different language in the paper and that's that's important to note like uh, as you become more aware of kind of the best language to use everyone can kind of learn and grow from learning more about research and getting further along in their careers so that is yeah that's an important thing to note so thank you for asking that question I think it's really important and I think it's hopefully something that other researchers will take into account as they yeah carry on so now we've covered your research how have you found it being the interviewee rather than the interviewer really weird actually (laughs) so I've spoken about my research obviously loads of times and I've sort of presented it various occasions but yeah for some reason being at the other end of the interview felt really weird I guess I've just sort of like got used to how the conversation works and how the flow of the conversation works doing the podcast when I'm on the other end of it but yeah so I'm gonna flip the script again a little bit more so I'm gonna ask you the final question now instead um finally question that I ask to all of my guests is if there are some early career researchers and students listening do you have any advice for them I think that yeah if you're a master's student or a PhD student or even in your first postdoc like we are mm-hmm. um just remind yourself that it's a huge learning experience um I think when I started my PhD I assumed that I needed to know everything yesterday and that's not how it works you know you have to take time to learn and develop the skills and figure out what you enjoy and what you don't um and I think that's one thing now going forward in my research is something that I always try to remind myself of and thinking about how best to use your time as well um you know there's always going to be things that we do and don't enjoy but I think you find that it's a better use of your time if they're things that you enjoy and you're learning from it. So, yeah, that's that's my one piece of advice, I think. I think it was a couple of pieces of advice. <laughs> sort of woven together. <laughs> all, all good advice, but definitely a sort of amalgamation of amalgamation of a few points, which which is good. Always good. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for flipping the script with me this time and being my guest for my episode that's a little bit different. So look out for in future seasons. I'm going to kind of pop in an episode for each season that is a little bit different. It won't be someone interviewing me every time. You'll be pleased to know there will be other guests as well, but I will kind of pop in something a little bit different each time. So keep an eye out for that. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on it was really lovely talking to you thank you for having me I thought it's worth mentioning as well that you and I will also be speaking at LSE Neurodiversity Week which is happening at the end of March so keep an eye out for that on Twitter and things and the events is going to be events workshops um panels all types of things all the good stuff all the good stuff fantastic (laughs) so perfect thank you again and for anyone listening thank you so much for joining us you can find more about this paper and also i'll include some links about jasmine and her work you can find all of that by following the links in the podcast description on buzzsprout or in your podcast app and join us again at the same time next week for another episode of psychological bye bye